Good evening. Welcome to the Laugh Monkey Music Show, Adam. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm glad you could make it. You've been in a, a, a plethora of bands, and, and you're also producing and doing a lot of things. Um, but let's get a little rundown of what you've done because you've been in so many different bands. It's just you've done LA Guns would be, you know, selling you way too short. You have some fantastic production skills. You're doing a lot of you. You know, you do a lot of TV mute work, and you've done a lot of bands. So maybe just do a quick little bullet point, if you could. Uh, like, you know, like, it, it's kind of strange, you know, a lot of times when you get into like music business, everybody seems to have that one genre they work in. But, you know, when I was a kid, I loved the 80s, the, the Buggles and the and the uh, and all that 80s mm -hmm. pop stuff so much. And then the, the late 80s came around and I loved all the metal stuff. And I've just always loved different all, everything music. And so that kind of translated to like my career is, is I just kind of produce and I play with all sorts of different people. I mean, I've produced everybody from, you know, worked with LA Guns to Vanilla Ice to William Shatner and David Hasselhoff to Missing Persons in Berlin, a lot, a lot of 80s stuff. And then again, I work with, um, you know, Nick from The Strokes and, and Brian Jonestown Massacre and, and some alt stuff to the right, to the other side of it. So, you know, it's, I, I love so much, too many different kinds of music and, and always embraced that. And I've just kind of been blessed with being able to kind of like just kind of go from one project to the next. And, and it, it doesn't seem to really be a theme tying it all together other than the music. only real theme I can figure out is just, well, music. Yeah. <laughs> the only really theme is like, is, is I, I, if I enjoy something and then I get the opportunity to do it, I'm like, fantastic. I love this band. This will be great to work with them, yeah. you know, and then you work with them and then on to something else. And sometimes it seems like it's a real left turn or right turn, but it's like, I love the, that kind of music. So this would be great, you know? So I just kind of go with the flow and, and it always ends up being an interesting, an interesting journey for sure. So where did you get your start? So I knew you play every instrument too, which is awesome for a producer because- Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not very proficient in keyboards, but Pro Tools makes it really easy to make it sound like you're really great these days. So, yeah. but, but I, I started- But like being a good songwriter helps. Yeah, and I started playing drums when I was three and then got bored and played guitar and then bass. And so, you know, and just kept playing it all. So now, like in a, in a week, I may do drum sessions for different people and bass sessions for, for another or be producing a record where I get to play all that. Or maybe I'm producing or mixing a record where I don't play any of it. It's just the band playing. So it, it's, it's fun to get to do all that. And it's fun to have those tools in the wheelhouse when I need them. Uh, but I also like will we'll maybe be doing a record and... I'm like, man, I need a shredding guitar part. And I called Patrick Kinnison, my buddy from Lita Ford's band. And I'm like, hey, can you put something great on yeah. this? And he's like, give me 20 minutes. And then he sends me a file back that's, you know, or Tracy Guns or any of my buddies that are that have a whole nother set of tools and a, a bigger wheelhouse than I do. So it's nice to be able to know and to be able to pull those guys in for different things. Well, but yeah, yeah, and those are, those are two really good guitar players, too. Oh, um, yeah, they're two of, my, two of my favorite people and two of my favorite guitar players. And I hope Patrick gets more recognition as time goes on. I think, you know, he should yep. be bigger. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And, vo and vocally too. His his voices, they say, it's ridiculous. He's awesome. I did a, a record in 2011 for um, William Shatner called Seeking Major Tom. And we did a, a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. And that was like, the, like how am I going to do this and the first thing I do mm -hmm. is I pick up the phone to Patrick I'm like help I need you and he's like you know he's coming over and singing all the harmonies and yeah. adding all the great 
Brian made guitar parts and I couldn't have done it without him. I mean, he was the, the star of the show on that track. So yeah, he, well, he, they have a good covers album too. And, um, oh, that they yeah. do. Oh, absolutely. Heard, heard, heard it actually. Yeah. I, he's one of the first people I interviewed actually. Oh um, yeah. Patrick's the best. Patrick he's, awesome. Yeah. Um, so you first start, so how'd you first get in? Because obviously you, you started doing a little bit of, you know, cause you do a lot of work with a lot of people. So not, you know, you're, I like Scott Coogan, a lot of you guys working with a lot of other people. But yeah. when you first got here, I think, was it you You met CeCe DeVille at a club or something that kind of brought you yeah, over to he, L.A.? CeCe brought me out. I, mm-hmm. I met CeCe in a club at Austin, and he told me he was getting ready to quit Poison and wanted to do a solo band, and he wanted me to be the drummer. So he moved me out, and we tried to put this band together and got pictures in all the magazines, and we lived with him and rehearsed for about three or four months, and nothing ever happened. We just partied all night took photo sessions for magazines in the daytime. And then after four months, I'm like, I got to get out of here, man. This, I'm, I'm going to go crazy. You know, this is, this is not going in a healthy. There was no singles. Cause I thought he had like a single. Did he have like a he did. good looking or whatever? That, that one. That was after right? us. That was with oh, Kelly. After that? Okay. Yeah. That was with Kelly and uh, Tommy Hendricks and uh, James Kotek. Okay. Uh, for that movie, the son-in-law, but that was, after us that's, that's I, just, I just I just you said that I just remembered that song and, and the connection yeah. to that so yeah yeah um but I got out of there and, and I, I I kind of like regrouped and did some projects for a few years and then came back out to LA in 95 to begin but actually in 95 I moved out with a gig already I was gonna be the drummer for uh Tommy Thayer's band called they were called Shake the Faith but they had just changed their name to number nine and it was Tommy Thayer and Kenny Queens from Beautiful Creatures uh, mm-hmm. and Dave Aragon, the guy from uh, Pimp My Ride um, and uh, a couple of guys. And it was like a, a real kind of snotty punk band. And so I moved out with a gig. So that was nice. I moved out going, okay, at least I know I'm going to have some guys to meet up with and play with and meet other people and network through and we'll see what happens with this band. And then once I got out here, that band kind of fell apart. And one night I was at the the, the uh, Viper Room and I saw Blue Saraceno and he and I kind of hit up a conversation and I was telling him how I had played with Poison and he was still in Poison. And we said, well, we should do a side band. And he said, great. So I started, a, we started a band and then that fizzled out and then I got in another band. It's just, that's the way LA works, man. You just, you know, you just come out here and get in the right place at the right time and, and things just start to happen, you know? pretty funny that must have been great i would have loved to heard what you and blues tag going on though he's he's another oh, one it's just like... yeah he's he's incredible man he's so talented and, and he's hysterically funny and so smart and yeah we had some fun but i got a gig with a band that was signed on on uh warner brothers and i loved their first single uh and they were looking for a drummer and so you know i knew blues was kind of doing poison and we weren't really able to put too much time and energy into the sideband because we were all trying to, you know, we were all hustling. Um, and so when I found out about this audition, I went on it and I got the gig. So I ended up joining that band and they were at the time they were called God's child and they were signed on, on Warner brothers and they had a single out and it did pretty well, their first album. So I got it in the band and we went off on tour and I had to tell blues. I said, I got to go. And he's like, yeah, I understand. But I think he, he kind of still harbors a little bit of a resentment of me bailing out but you know it is what it is you got to do he understood he understands you know i mean he had poison so yeah you know i think that thing was kind of winding down and coming to an end and it was time for him to do something else too and and then he segued right into doing music for tv and film too i mean he's he's i mean it would blow your mind if you knew how many tracks you hear and stuff on tv that's 
Oh, incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys getting other, doing other stuff besides that one thing. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, me too. I mean, kind of, kind of weird. Not, and when I was a kid, stuff. I would, I would sit with my guitar and I would watch the TV with the sound down and just kind of play along. And I'd be like, Oh, I got a great piece of music for this scene. And I didn't realize that what, what I was literally doing is like, as a kid, I was scoring the picture. And so I just kind of seem somehow managed to, that became my part-time job, you know, of, of actually doing that for real out here. But, you know, I kind of intrinsically or instinctually, I don't know what the word is, was doing that on my own. So it's kind of one of those things where it was always one, something I wanted to do, you know. So like your production stuff, where'd you learn all the production skills? I mean, cause like your schools, you know, you're sort of like, own. like I went to school for it, didn't do anything with it, but like, yeah. I, I feel like you probably did a lot of hands-on. Well, I was, when I was a kid, when I was like 10 or 11, I was the kid that had the four track recorder, you know, before Pro Tools and laptops and all this stuff. Yeah. And I would come over to your house and set up and tape your band and record your mm -hmm. band and make you a little four track demo or whatever. So that's how it started. I just loved doing that. You know, I, I just <laughs> loved it. I, lo I still love it. I love, I'm an, I'm a complete audio nerd. And then through the years, I got to work on records with Andy Johns. I got to make three records with him and with Don was and all these great producers. And, and I just learned from them. You know, mm -hmm. I just would, would, I would take notes. I would act like a sponge and absorb everything I could. And I would sit quietly <laughs> and I learned the studio etiquette of don't say anything and disrupt the vibe but do jump when they need you to do something and got to be real helpful. And, and I just had a lot of mentors, a lot of great mentors that helped, helped teach me. I mean, I still know so little in the big picture in the grand scheme of things, you know, people will be talking about, Oh, I love the KM 87 microphone. And I'm like, nah, I don't even know what that is. Let me look it up, you know, but, but I know what I need to do to, to do what I do. And, and, and I'm just constantly, trying to learn more every, every, every day, but, but still trying to stay humble enough, knowing that like, man, there are people out there that just, you know, that they really know what they're doing. I'm just kind of making, making by getting by with it. Well, yeah. Well, there's sometimes there's skill and then there's also communication and then there's just knowing what to do with the skill. I mean, absolutely. And, I, and that's know. one thing that I learned about working with people and watching other great producers is Sometimes it has not, sometimes you're just being a cheerleader. Sometimes you're being a therapist. Sometimes you're being a, a mediator and sometimes you're helping pick songs and rearrange parts. And, and maybe you're a co-writer, you know, maybe you're, uh, and sometimes I'm wor literally working with bands and I look at the way the drummer's playing and I'm like, no wonder he's not grooving or can't keep time. I look at his mechanics and they're completely off and you literally have to strip it down, take the car, put it in the garage and take the wheels off and like, look at what's wrong and then put it back together. So it runs great, you know, and I'm literally helping drummers going, raise your seat two inches, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna help you and it's not gonna hurt your back anymore and helping them learn like to make a record. There's just so much that goes in it. It's like making a movie. And obviously there's more that goes into a movie, but it's, it's so much more than just the music, you know, it, there's just so many nuts and bolts and pieces. And, and uh, I just love every part of it, you know, that's where I think that you, you being a musician really helps out though. And, and that Absolutely. would be like, and if you're, if you're working with a producer and they see you doing all that stuff, you're like, you're an asset to them. You, you, you add something to them Absolutely. at least. And I think they can, you know? I think musicians will trust other musicians more than they will. If they, if somebody comes in and you're like, what do you mean? You can't even play a G chord. Not some great producers can't like Rick Rubin and people like that. But that's not to say that he's not an amazing producer. Obviously he's successful. So you know, but I, I agree with you. I think sharing that common language is, is important and an asset. Oh, you know, what I've learned even more is, you know, um, 
of different producers because I've been geek, like I said, recording and stuff on off my life too. And be the guy reading on your know, liner notes, you know, Desmond Child with the song, and who's the songwriters yeah. for this, and, and who's the producers on these albums back when I was a teenager, you know. Of course. And certain producers when we grew up had a certain sound, especially yep. there's like you know four or five of them that had a certain sound. Absolutely. You know, you had Ted Templeman, but Ted Templeman's strength was he was he was a musician, and he could go in and sing and do harmonies, and he did a lot of you know vocal arrangements, which that was his strength. With besides Van Halen and Linda Ronstadt and Doobie Brothers. You know, and then you got like, you know, Mutt Lang had a different way. Look, and, and they all have a different way. And then you know, Bob Rock got really big because he, he came with a really great drum sound that we hadn't heard since Zeppelin commercially, yeah. rather. Yeah. You know, he put it out there commercially in a new, you really got to help focus. But then I look back at some of these great producers, and, and I can say David Foster is a songwriter. He also, he does some producing of some stuff too, a songwriting arrangement oh, in the studio. Yeah. But once again, amazing musician. Yeah, you know, he started out a studio right, musician, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. and go back to Bob Rock was a musician. I mean, his band didn't make it big, yep. But he was a musician. Yep. Um, and the more I realize it, so these albums come out with these people, and and I think the albums that almost show a different sound, like some producers that I think they don't play instruments, have, have a sound that they like, and it kind of becomes their sound. But musicians that are producers, I think they're kind of like they meld in with the band and kind of help make the band better. So a lot of those guys don't have a certain sound where I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so sound. It's right. really the band kind of keeps their sound, but gets better. Right. I mean, that's my outside thought on. Yeah. I mean, that's as, what as I, they learn. Yeah. That's what I try to do. I, I try to approach it. Like when I'm working with a band for a record, I'm like, first of all, this isn't my record. This is their record. And it's not about me imprinting my thumbprint on this band and making my sound. It's about their sound. So how do mm -hmm. I make their sound the best it can possibly be? And sometimes that means just getting out of their way and let them do it, you know, let them do what they know how to do and sitting back uh, and saying, this is great. You know, I, I'll give you my opinion if you want it. Otherwise, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, I think it was one of the bigger crimes back in the 80s, 90s with bands that they say, oh, you know, we need that Bob Rock song yep. sound. We and, and I know it happened to a couple of bands too that they sent there, and and they weren't Bob Rock bands. You yeah. know what I mean? And nothing yep. to him. He's he's great at that, but they were just a different band. You know. Yep. Yep. And and that would that would be the sin of, of trying to like mass produce. You know, the record companies looking to make the yeah. the money and and they're back in their investment. Yeah, I mean, and that's allowing thing, an artist man. to grow. It's the music business, you know, and, and it's not just about music, unfortunately, you know, when you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars, I mean, millions of dollars on the line, there's a lot of pressure, you know, and, and we don't have that anymore. And I feel like that, that lack of pressure is, it's one of the, one of the, the benefits of the way things are today. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's helped a lot of bands from our, from our genre to come back out again and be able to record good albums because of the, the resources are different, so they don't need a monster budget for yep. no reason. They can Absolutely. pay for somebody. Somebody else can get paid for doing a good job's work and still live. But yep. they don't need to be, you know, driving an eighteen Ferraris. You know, like <laughs> yeah, you know. Exactly. Let's, but let's... they still go. Yeah, you still get a good artist, and and then it's allowing you know, these artists to come back out again that were screwed over. And I think you know a lot of artists have some really good albums that come out now in the past Absolutely. couple years. Absolutely, so yeah. good, so good. Um, Speak actually of Faris and, and, and actually LA Guns was one of the bands. Yep. Of the, of the resurgence. And, you know, and actually go step back even further. I think Rock, I think Rock's had more of a resurgence past while. And I think it was kind of creeping out between and probably some of the bands you'd actually done some stuff with with Beautiful Creatures because 
It was kind of struggling between Bang Tango and Build for Creatures, kind of kept some breath to it. Rise of Destruction kind of kept the rocking going because I know around that time, the LA Guns was going to some stuff. Yeah. So those were kind of like, to me, those were kind of some staple rock bands that when there weren't a lot of new rock bands coming out absolutely. without yep. being alternative. Absolutely, absolutely. And they were coming out at a time when it, it had definitely dipped down and that was a tough time. You know, that was the time when a lot of people bailed off the ship. You know, they like yeah. the ship going down. Better, better figure out what I'm going to do next. And, you know, not everybody's a lifer. Not everybody's built to, to uh, do this forever, you know? Right. I mean, I right. know I wasn't. I wasn't built to stay on the road all these years. I tried it two years ago going out with L.A. Guns as a rhythm guitar player before Ace joined the band. And I was like, yeah. this, is, this is a young man's game, man, you know. Plus, well, had, had you gone out before, though? You were with them for a while, so you didn't tour I a lot. I was with them for almost 10 years and then quit the band for almost 10 years and was just producing in the studio. And then before Ace joined the band, um, they had a guy named Michael Grant as a guitar player. Yep. And when Michael was out, they needed somebody for a European tour. So they pulled me in and I went and did it with them. Went out for about three months. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely, I, I, a, you know, a young man's game. And, and as, a, a uh, as a guy who has a, a young daughter, I was just like, man, I, I just... I, I'm a homebody these days. The road life is not for everybody. I couldn't have seen doing that past my 20s. I would have been like, nope. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. It Actually, hard. by my mid-20s, I would have been done. I would have been okay like during my college years and that's it. Yep. Yep. Done it. I don't know how these people can still do I, I have such respect, you know? Yep. More more power to them, man. Res much respect because it's, 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 it's a tough life being on the road. Absolutely. And it's like LA Gunn's been a training school now for people too. It feels like just, <laughs> the, yep. you know. I, I, I see funny when I talked to you, I interview him and oh, I was in LA Guns. I almost like I actually got like a badge or a checklist or something here. <laughs> the yeah, people have been yeah. in it. Yep, there has been a lot of members through the years for sure. But that being said, I mean, just like any other, it's like a job. And I've always said this, you know, whatever it takes to keep the band going, it's, yep. it's the band. It's like, you know, you don't do the same thing every day for your job or, you know, people get divorced and move on and kids and stuff. So, you know, life changes. And the good thing is it kept LA Guns afloat. Yep, absolutely. And now, and now that you know Tracy and Phil together, they, the way they came back, the past couple yep. albums like are ridiculous. Like, yep. you know, I say yeah. almost good or better than 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 they were. I know, you know, I know. They got the fire back, man. The fire and the magic is back. I love it. Yeah. We're working on it, one right now that's blowing my mind. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah. Oh, so you're working with them right now? Good. Yeah, yeah. We're we did that first single called "Let You Down," like right mm -hmm. when the pandemic hit. And I ended up having to play drums on it because Scott Coogan, everybody was in quarantine and it was yep. when it all first happened and nobody was, was going anywhere. And so I ended up playing drums and mixing it. But now uh, I, I'm probably going to play drums on a few, a few other songs, but it's, it's going to be great. I'm mixing it for them. So I'm excited about it. They're, they're, they're putting out albums. It feels like almost like every four months. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, it feels like they fast as any band right now is putting out yeah. albums. Yeah, well, back in the day, remember all the, every band put out a re record every year. They would put an album out and do a tour and then go write a record and record it and put it out. And, it, and that was the, the yearly cycle, you know? And so, that's how you could tell who the band was because at some point, which bands could go and down, yep. you know what I'm saying? But like these albums, each one is just getting better and better and better. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's not young in this field, so they've been doing this for a while. I so know. to keep going out with stronger albums that hold against your other ones, Yeah, your, your legacy work, you know? Yeah, and, and that's that's an unforgiving group. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything bad about these past couple albums online. And there's some, I know. there's some places that say there's some ten people in the basement that say some really bad things about these things, and yeah, and they're all yeah. like, yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, it really is great. It's just undeniably great. You know, I, sometimes things just are what they are. And, and these guys have it, man. They really found like a, a second life. Absolutely. That's excellent. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're still with them doing stuff, producing them and me, stuff too. That's really, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, me too. Me too. Cause I didn't work on the missing piece album and I was so sad because I hadn't, you know, really, I kept in touch with Phil and I worked yeah. with him and those guys on the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood forever rap album. I actually co-wrote a couple of songs on that with him. Uh, but I hadn't talked to Tracy in a couple of years. And so I reconnected with him. And when we did, it was, it was great. I just, I miss those guys so much. So I'm glad I'm so happy to be working with them again now. Oh, that's really good. That's really cool. So while we're talking about production, you've done a couple of things. Let's talk about the Brian Jones massacre. Yeah. That is such an interesting group. And I know if you don't know them, people just look them up because to get into the history is just it'd be exhausting. <laughs> Go yep. to Wikipedia or wherever. Yep. How did you end up with them? And, and what was that you like? Know, when I, when I played on their first, I played on two albums um, drums and the way I joined was before Muddy who I took Muddy's place in LA Guns as the bass player mm -hmm. before Muddy was in LA Guns or I was in LA Guns Muddy was doing a lot of he's he's a great producer himself and so Muddy and I had been friends and I knew him from the studio and absolutely loved him still do he's just we he and I are working on a project together producing other people right now too but Muddy calls me one night and he goes hey come up to this house in the Hollywood Hills. He gave me the address where the studio is. I'm making a record with a band. And they're like 1960s hippies, like Rolling Stones, falling down, drunk, on acid. Yep. They look like they're like right out of Haight-Ashbury, which they are. And they look like they're, they're, we're trying to make a record and their drummer just passed out. Come up to the studio, bring your sticks, the drums are here. And so I literally get in my car at nine o'clock at night drive up the Hollywood Hills to the studio and there's all these like crazy looking hippie people outside smoking and it was this total tripped out scene like right out of a, a Fellini movie and Muddy comes out and he grabs me he goes great thanks for coming and literally they're carrying the drummer out and he's just like like literally drag dragging his feet and so they're like he's like this is my buddy Adam he's gonna help us finish the album and they're like oh cool thanks for coming and you know everybody was a little like a little suspect, you know, but Muddy was like, listen, do you guys want to finish this album or not? Adam's a great drummer. And they're like, okay, cool. So we literally put on headphones and they start showing me the songs and we just start recording. And it was, it was really right out of a movie. It was just like, it all started to flow. It was all magic. And it was just this trippy sixties psychedelic music. And I was like, this is so cool. But it was also very shambolic where it was just at any moment it's just going to completely fall apart and if you know that band or you learn about them and you see yep. that documentary dig that documentary, them, yeah yeah you'll see that that's what makes it so great is at any second it will it might implode and it might mm -hmm. implode a couple of times a night <laughs> and it didn't while i was there we cut uh, i cut the drums on that record and it worked out great and so came time for the next record and those guys had kind of gone up a notch and people were starting to know who they were and they were getting some notoriety and some success so they rented this giant house in echo park to do the album in and muddy was again producing and so muddy said i want to bring adam into play and they said hey he's great bring him in so that's how i got the gig plan almost is muddy was producing and muddy brought me in and i got to spend the month cutting drums on the strung out in heaven album with those guys and they asked me to join the band after that album. And this was during the dig uh, 
shoot where there was cameras all around and we're trying to make a record and there was a lot of craziness involved and a lot of other things like substances and craziness and all sorts of some it made it more of a dangerous kind of strange rock and roll scene than I guess I would be more comfortable in yeah and so I just knew this is probably not going to be a good band to join plus I had a band already uh that I was we were getting ready to put out another album so I just I I I rolled the dice and I said, I just don't feel right about it. And I, I had to decline the honor, the uh, offer, but I definitely was, I appreciated being, being offered the gig, but we got a friend of mine, the gig and they liked him and it ended up lasting about three weeks and then they fired him and they got in a huge fight and, you know, all, they all beat themselves up and, you know, in, in giant Brian Jones, some massacre, uh, you know, fine form. But Reese's yeah, they're, they're a trip. Watch the movie, watch the documentary uh, on them called Dig, and it's just it's just a great rock doc to begin with. But they're it just is. Anton is just simply one of the most interesting people you you'll ever meet. He's he's incredible. I, I never heard of him. I watched this way back in the day. I had not heard of him yep. at that point, and then I went yep. back and listened to music. I'm like, oh, they really are good. Yeah, I mean, they're really great. I mean, it, it it's it's was one of those things where like I was always from the. the the school of, you know, like I just learned from the Terrabozios and the Vinnie Caliutas and just the drum, the licks and, you know, want to be as good enough to play with Zappa drummer, you know, yep. but with that gig, it was the opposite of that. It was like, act like you can't play, <laughs> you know, like literally like forget everything, you know, and close your eyes and just sway to the music and, and let that dictate, you know, what you're doing. Stop thinking and just like, and, like and, loose but, form jazz. Yeah, it was a really great school and the antithesis of what I had grown up learning to do was put it right on the one one and two and, you know, uh, be as, as as a drummer, you want to be as, as, you know, precise as possible. But this was not about that. This, there was no click drum, click track involved. There was, it was just like, hey, man, roll the tape and let's see what happens. And, and that was fun. And that was exciting and, and inspiring, you know to be able to do that, which is completely different than you normally do. Sure, everything you've done too carries over now to your production on some level. Absolutely, I, I reference them all the time. I still put on records that we did or, or even records that I didn't do with them. Like Anemone, one of my favorite songs that you've heard in a million different TV shows and commercials by them. Uh, Anton's just genius, man. He's just, you know, I'd say mad genius, but I think he's more of a genius than he is mad. He's just great and he just, he has, uh, he just knows how to how to get certain sounds and certain vibes and you're just like wow that's magic how's he doing that you know he just ha he just has has a gift you know it's pretty crazy yeah that that is really and so from there you actually so you do, no i'm sorry it's hoping william uh william shatner yeah how'd that happen that's pretty cool uh, you know when i was in la guns i met brian Pereira, who owns cleopatra records and mm -hmm. brian and i um, became friends and he said, hey, man, uh, I heard something that you produced once and I really thought it sounded good. Would you want to do some work for us? And I said, absolutely. So he pitched me a couple of projects and it turned out they turned out really good. And then we went and had coffee and, and I said, you know, I think I'm thinking about, you know, just kind of doing mu movie music, TV and film and producing and getting out of LA Guns. And he said, well, I'll keep you busy, you know, in the studio if you want to do that, if you're ready to like to, to get off the road. And I said, yeah. So one of the first projects he pitched me, he said, hey, I got something really interesting to talk to you about. It's William Shatner. And I said, sign me up. I don't, I don't need to know anything else other than yeah. I'm in. And we just went and had a meeting with him. And, and you know, we all, we all knew the has-been record that he did with Ben Folds is yep. a classic. Yep. And so 
I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, if we're going to try to beat that, you know, that sets the bar really high. I think that that we're going to be, uh, you know, I, I think we maybe should should readjust our focus and and try to do something really different. He said, well, that's great. That's what I'm thinking. I want to do something a concept record, but in a completely different light. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that love William Shatner's has been and and they won't accept anything else he's done. It's like, that's the only thing he's ever done great. And, you know, I get it. There's people that like certain bands and there's that one album, but I've gotten to make three or four records with him. Now and we have a blast and we just laugh the whole time and we we're cracking up and we have the most amazing guest list of people that, that are on it. And we, we get to do something really fun and make some great fun music so, uh, and I'm a fan of the Hasbin album as well. You know, I love it. Absolutely. But, but I knew going into it that we were probably going to be up against that, but it's okay. You know, we do what we do and we, and you make, you try to make something great and then you walk away from it and it is what it is. I would, I would think that maybe people are a little more forgiving. William Shatner fans are from a different group anyhow. Yeah, I would you know, hope so. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's a, you're expecting a different level of, of musicianship, Yeah. you know, cause he's very tongue in cheek. He, he gets yeah. it. Exactly. But at he the same time, it. though, you know, we have some incredible musicians involved. No, I get that too. But I'm saying yeah. he is also aware of who he is. And that's part of his genius. You know what I mean? Yeah, in fact, he does, he does these albums like he was this. And he's like, I think I want to do this now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. He's a fascinating guy. A fascinating guy. Yeah. Me and my, my wife go over and watch Monday Night Football at his house with his family. He's, he's amazing. That's awesome. He's, yeah, I, I love him. I think he's great. I love, so I love the stuff he does. Yep. So the fact you get to do that. So um, anything coming out with him down the road? You know, we we haven't uh, really talked about doing another album. You know, the pandemic hit and everything was kind of up in smoke. And, and uh, so we don't really have any plans to do anything else now. You know, we did a blues album that came out in the fall and we got a number one on the Billboard Blues chart. So that was pretty fun. That's and, pretty awesome. Yeah. And we had all sorts of great guys on that record. So we'll see. Maybe we'll do something else. I don't know. Time will tell. You're also doing commercial work, a lot of commercials and soundtracky yep. type of stuff. Yeah, I just did a song for a Duracell commercial that's on right now, and you know, it, every day there's something coming down the pipe. It's like who knows what's what we're gonna do today, what show we got. Uh, we did some stuff for um, that funny uh, RuPaul's Drag Race show last mm-hmm. year, and that show won an Emmy, so that was pretty cool. Uh, did show stuff for Wahlburgers, and that show won an Emmy. So you know, we did some fun stuff you know some some more serious stuff but also i i like the fun stuff better you know that i'm able to laugh at while we watch it and i can watch yeah. my kids and stuff you know because he's on the family guy is that right, is that right? Uh, I, didn't family guy. The, I didn't have a song on the family guy but i had a couple of songs in the simpsons and a couple of other okay. stuff like that I, I, must, I must be misinformation out there damn you I internet the family guy i would have loved to have something in that it was literally said the family guy it's like oh ask him about that one nice. the second year has been wrong I don't know what's going on with it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to talk to somebody who runs it. It's yep. uh, absolutely <laughs> those YouTubes, YouTubes. Um, that is really good. So you just do a lot of side work right now, or like small projects because of the COVID. Yeah, um, I just you know I've just just since the pandemic, um, I've just been working remote. You know, everything I do is is if I have to track bands, I send them to Muddy, and we go in his they go in his studio and track it, and then he sends me everything mm-hmm. for mixing or whatever else it needs. Or if I'm doing sessions here, like drum sessions, I don't really, I don't really need anybody else. They'll just send me the track and I play on it. And we're doing a new LA Guns record right now. So Tracy's in Denmark, he's doing his tracks and he'll send me his tracks and all the other guys will do their tracks, send them to me and I'll put them all together here. So 
Phil's That's in so Vegas. Crazy. Yeah, Phil's in Vegas doing his vocals and he sends me the, the tracks and I'll put it all together. So, and that's kind of how we're doing it for now. So we'll see what happens, but- um, Now how you do the drums? Because huh? I know, Scott, how you do the drums? I know Scott's in, he's yeah, in California now, Yeah, I've right? got drums on a lot of them. So I don't, I'm not sure what we'll do for the, the final drum takes, but um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Very good. So I'm going to put all the links of everything you got going on okay, underneath. Cool. And if people want to reach out to you for any work or projects, you know. Absolutely, man. You know, I, I like I like to work with any anyone and everyone. And I say this, every whoever I work with, I say, listen, it doesn't matter if you're Lyle Lovett or Sheryl Crow or L.A. Guns or you're, an, you know, a, a, an eighth grader who's just learning music. It's like I treat everybody the same, man. Yeah. I I just appreciate being able to make music with other people and and being able to do what I love doing. And, and I try to show others the same respect, you know, no matter who they are or what skill level they're at, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. You're, you've got a great reputation, so. Oh, thanks, man. Oh, and we got new stuff coming on and more productive stuff, we'll have you come back and you can promote some of your stuff, all right? Man, that sounds great. Friend thanks of, for having me. the show. I sure I appreciate, for, man. Oh, I want to thank you for being on the show, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so right, much. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye.